back to Leaders Recon. Today, we're talking about an exciting topic with Bailey Ann Slaughter, um, linguists and language pay and a bunch of other things. So, welcome to the program. Thank you, thanks for having me. <laughs> so, we always try to break the ice here at the beginning. Fun, unusual fact about yourself. Um, um, so, okay, so I am the, on the civilian side, I am the National Guard Language Program Manager, uh, financially and kind of training and readiness-wise. Okay. It's just an all one-stop thing. And on the National Guard side, I'm a 35 Papa SIGINT Voice Interceptor Arabic Linguist. So I know both sides really well. I've been doing it on the National Guard side for, I've been in for 14 years. Oh, wow. Uh, I've been doing the civilian job for four years this month, and I'm just really comfortable with it. I really love the program. Linguist population is a super cool group to work with. Uh, and yeah, so as we're diving into that a little bit, I feel like you're like the perfect guardsman because you work a civilian job and you're a part-time. <laughs> it, it is unusual. Linguist, you yeah, know. right. So what is a what is a linguist like? So there are two flavors of linguists. We have uh, human intelligence. It's kind of the nearsighted picture for our translators, and then we have the SIGINT, signals intelligence, and that's the far-sighted. You know, close listening. You're either interrogators or the 35 mics, the humaners. Okay. And then 35 Papa, uh, Intel, they are the ones listening from afar. You never, never really interact with the people. That's what the 35 mics do. So there are two different types you want to do. You can be an interrogator or just like the sit back and listener and you know, receive signals. And, and they all fall under uh, military intelligence. They do. They're both okay. MI and those are our two language dependent MOSs in the National Guard. You must maintain a language to stay DMOSQ. Okay. So... If I, you know, so so for those people that are interested in becoming a linguist of some sort, they're going to be going into the MI field, mm -hmm. doing one of those two things. From what I'm, under, what I'm understanding, either working with people like interrogation or um, translation. You know, if you're deployed somewhere, if you're in one of these two MI positions, is that where you will be your translator, or is that a separate field? Yeah, so they both work in teams. So the human okay. teams would go out and do interviews if they need to go find information. Like you know, the MI commander has. Um, uh, priority intelligence requirements he's trying to get after, they'll go try to get those from the people face-to-face. -face. And then SIGINERS, the 35 Papas, will go out and camp out and just kind of scan the area and see if they can pick up anything. And then these these are units, you, you mentioned earlier when we were talking beforehand that the like every IBCT had an MI company with um, Yes, the Brigade Engineering saying. Battalion and okay. they'll have a MICO in there and that's what I used to be in with the 76 in Indiana. And I was part of a profit team lead. It was tactical. It was out in the field all the time. Um, and about how many linguists usually are in an IBCT like that? Uh, so there'd be about 11. So there are nine 35 papas and maybe the same number of mics. Not very many. Okay. It's like a squad squad level. Just one team. Uh, and then the rest, they're language capable. MOSs do exist, but the billet has to be coded for that. So there are some MI MOSs that may require a language. Some have it in the 300th MI Brigade. They'll be coded. They can be in there too and assess, like the um, SIGINT analysts, the Novembers, mm. people like those. I'm um, just reading the reports and writing. So essentially, everyone in the army that is considered a linguist is not necessarily just a translator. They are functioning in an MI role of some capacity. That's right. They are. They are not translators. They have um, a specific MOS. So they have like a technical job that they do. So SIGINT intelligence. They primarily work with the equipment. Um, they maintain the profit systems. You know, they go out. Um, they send things back to hire. They just kind of tell what's, they kind of gist things, you know. They kind of see what's relevant, send it back for someone else to translate for reports. And then Mike's, um, their main job is interrogation. So interrogation tactics, going out and speaking with people. Mm. 
um, they might not always be the one translating. They might have a contract translator with them to do the actual translation. But just doing that, that army job is the main thing, and they just also have a language. Hmm. That's, so that's super interesting. So like, if I'm interested then in becoming a linguist and going into one of these MI roles, what does that process look like from cradle to grave? So if you want to be a linguist, if you, if you want to be a 35 micro, 35 papa, I won't say linguist because that's very umbrella, but um, you would go to DLI first, get your language, and then go to the AIT for your MOS-specific training. And, and DLI, where is that located? So that's in Monterey, California. It's called the Defense Language Institute. And depending on what language you get, it goes CAT 1 through CAT 4. Uh, CAT 1 and 2 are 36 weeks. CAT 3 is 48 weeks. And CAT 4 languages are 64 weeks. And that's based on like the difficulty of the language? It is, yeah. Okay. So CAT 1 and 2 would be your Spanish, French, and Indonesian. CAT 3 would be Farsi, Russian, Hebrew, those kinds of languages. And 4 would be all the dialects of Arabic, Korean, Mandarin, and uh, Japanese, those kinds of languages. Okay. Mm -hmm. So more challenging. So, yeah. so DLI, mm -hmm. go to the Defense Language Institute, depending on how difficult your language is, mm -hmm. you spend your time there, and then you go to AIT afterwards, and that's where you learn the MI skills? That's right. So uh, the 35 Papa School, you actually do some of the class in your target language. So you have to have the language when you go there. I think 35 Mike's getting there. They're, they just do it in English right now. But they want you to use, like, you know, to pick up the, the language skills for the target language for the, in the schoolhouse, and then yeah. go off to your unit and be able to be technically and tactically proficient in your language. So then for a guardsman, right, I'm assuming you need to find one of those MI companies um, that it's coded for a language position, right? And then, mm -hmm. and then how would, you know, so like let's say I'm a soldier in whatever, you're, you're Illinois guard, right? Indiana. Indiana guard. So when you were an Indiana guardsman, when you first looked into like becoming a, a linguist, you know, how did that path look for you? So um, I was the first one to go in Indiana. So I, I was kind of a, a mistake. We only, we found out after I went to school that we only had Farsi billets. So I went to school for modern standard Arabic. So I've been in the wrong slot my whole career, which, which is fine. I still am fully DOMSQ, but it kind of ruins our unit readiness index a little bit. But um, uh, so if you want to be a specific type of linguist, if you just want to say, I want to be 35 Mike Papa, I don't care what language, you just go to your recruiting office, they'll tell you what they have and they'll go to school for that. If you want a specific language, you would either come to me or go to your writing CO, and we can find other units. Out of 54 states, we have 30 states that have language billets. Oh, wow. So they're kind of widespread then across They the are, country, yeah. yeah. So we have the 300th My Brigade, which is the biggest, it's the only linguist brigade in the entire force. And they're across they're Utah, Washington, California, and Florida. And then all the other states in between have the IBCTs and the little MICOs, and the, the EMIBs have their own you know, MI capabilities, yeah. obviously. But and then that MI brigade, I'm assuming there's a, there's a lot of billets located within There is a lot. Yeah, they have two battalions in Utah and then a battalion in Washington, California, and Florida. And those are, I think they're about 175 people per battalion. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So like 600-some folks. Exactly. And there are 2,800 billets across the, across the linguist force, and I think about 1,900 are full. Wow. So going back then to, I know there's units out there. There's slots available. Got to find one of those, and then I go to Defense Language Institute, which I think you described earlier as the best language training program in the world. So it's it's hailed as one of the best language schools in the world. It is. It's um, so when you're there for the number of weeks that whatever your cat is, um, it's Monday through Friday, six hours a day plus an optional seventh hour if you're passing. It's optional, 
and uh, it's with native speakers. They rotate a different teacher every single hour, so you get that oh, flow. Wow. You don't get bored. Um, they're very small classrooms, five to six people per classroom, 30 people per, you know, rotation. Oh, wow. It's, it's amazing. How was your experience there? Like, what was, what was your, you know, day in the life like at DLI? I had a fantastic experience. Uh, I went 10 years ago, but I was, you know, single, no kids, so no distractions. And that's kind of the tough thing that gets people to, um, if you take too many distractions with you, it's a train that leaves the station. Like if you fall behind, it's very tough to keep up. So if you stay on top of them at like, the very beginning with the sound and script classes, they give you everything you need to know. Like they, they, they're made for any sort of like learning style. They'll catch on really quickly. They do personality tests while they're there to make sure they're interacting properly. Um, it's a really neat school. Like I, I'm so impressed. I'd love to go back for another language. <laughs> Can you go back for another language? I could. Oh, but, really? I mean, okay. it, funds available, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, in Utah, I know in some other places, they do cross-cultural training. So if they want to do a North African, you know, specialization for a linguist, they'll send them to French and Arabic hmm. or, you know, Italian. Or if they want to focus on a specific country, they'll do the two languages for that country. As long as you're above a 2 plus 2 plus in your main, main language, you can go to school for another language. So in that, and you brought up a, question, a point there on the grading scale so to become a linguist isn't there like an aptitude test or something you have to take can you there explain is. that uh, a little bit yeah, it's like an entrance exam um it's called the defense language aptitude battery okay. and um so for the cat one through cat four languages it goes from 90 to 110 in five in five point increments okay and um we do have a, de a waiver process for a few points but um so if you want to be a cat four linguist arabic you need to get 110 on the d lab and it's one of those crazy tests where it's like it's a made-up language and they, they start feeding you like made-up, you know, sentence structure and you got to follow it pretty quickly. And hmm. it's, it's interesting. Um, but we have a waiver process now where uh, if you have a high enough GT and ST score, you don't have to take it. Or it can supplement a lower score so you can get into the course that you want. Oh, really? Is there a GT minimum requirement score? It's just like high, high 1-teens, high 120s, like just reasonably high. Okay. with, you know, the proper experience. We've gotten a lot of waivers pushed through this year, I think about 30, and we usually send about 50 anyway. So we've gotten a good oh, wow. feedback on our waiver process. So I take the D-Lab, right, and that helps get me into DLI. And then after DLI, I go to AIT and then back to my unit for whatever That's ongoing right. drill process, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what is your, so in your role as a, in traditional guardsmen on the M day side, you know, what does your drill look like? Do you, how do you maintain proficiency in your language? And so my, I'm, mine's different. I'm the brigade language program manager for the 54th, so I'm in another admin position. I'm not tactical anymore. But before, um, during drill weekends, we'd maintain the profit systems, all the technical stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we have about four hours um, every drill weekend that an instructor, a civilian contract instructor would come in, sit with us, and keep us, you know, keep that ball kind of in the air for language because we never use it in between. And um, every year, the Army regulation 11-6, the Army language uh, regulation, uh, mandates 80 hours of consecutive training every single year for an assigned linguist. Oh, really? Okay. Mm -hmm. So you, so it's like a, almost like a licensing requirement. You gotta... Exactly. It's called a significant language training event, a slate. Hmm. And for active component, it's 150 hours. But for the National Guard and Reserve, it's 80. But um, all of our classes are or four to five weeks. It's it's what you need. You know, two weeks is not enough unless you're one on one with an instructor. If you never use it during the year, hmm. so we that's what my uh, program does. We provide the training and the funds for these courses, and we try to make it as personalized as you need. Like if you think you need five weeks, we'll get you a five week course in whatever proficiency we want with whatever you know teacher yeah. you want. Like that's what we do. 
That's super sure. interesting. So there's a lot of resources available Absolutely. once you're into those roles to maintain proficiency. Exactly. And that's what my job is, to resource those roles and make sure they're funded and make sure everybody has all the dictionaries they need, you know, all the all the computers they need, like that's and all the training. That's what we do. We have a lot of civilian contractors like Berlitz and Alta and Lingua, and then we have um it's called the Defense Language and Security Education Office, Delencio. They provide grants to uh, universities to pay for their tuition so we can use them just on pay and order allowances. Hmm. So like University of Utah, uh, CSU Long Beach, uh, Concordia, there's a school in Minnesota and Montana, they all provide oh, the really? resources to us. So. so then, you know, kind of shifting gears a little bit, you know, I guess we're following the life cycle of someone yeah. becoming a linguist. Um, you know, so you're at your unit. Can you give us some some examples from, you know, I'm sure you've seen a lot of soldiers come out of the training and then get deployed or utilized. What, you know, what's a, you know, a unique or interesting example you've seen for soldiers coming out of that program and then getting utilized from a guard perspective? So I'll use the, the DARI thing that we have going on right now, the Operation Allies Welcome that's going on right now. Um, so we get call-outs all the time from Forcecom and uh, from all the ASCCs and the they always want these low-density linguists, and so they like, "Hey, do you have any Dari linguists?" Like, we sure do. <laughs> we sent a big, old, a big old announcement out to all 54, and we had 12 respond and go immediately within a week to their assigned stations. And they're working it right now. They were allowed to, they're allowed to have a, as long of a tour as they want. They could name the length. They. Oh wow. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, we get asked all the time for stuff. We support overseas deployment trainings. So um, Pacific Pathway is always asking for, you know, Japanese linguists. Oh, and... yeah, I didn't. Mm -hmm. So then, so if I have a soldier who, you know, you have a soldier who already speaks a language then, like, and they want to go into one of these linguist spots mm -hmm. for the low-density MOSs that maybe aren't taught at, like, the Defense Language Institute, mm -hmm. uh, is that possible? Absolutely. So, um, so on our strategic language list, if you're not MI, there's only eight lists, only eight languages you can get paid for. But while you're on orders as a translator for any sort of um, event, you can get paid language pay while you're on orders for that for that mission. Hmm. Okay. So you mentioned there a little bit about being able to get paid speaking another language without being a linguist. Is that a separate program, or can you explain that a little bit? That's right. So if you're a linguist, um, in any case, there is a thing called a, there's a monthly bonus. It's called the foreign language proficiency bonus. And it's a monthly pay, depending on how well you do on the defense language proficiency test, which I'll talk about in a minute. Okay. Um, so based on your score, you can get, if you're on the A list for the strategic language list, it's eight languages like Arabic, Levantine, Yemeni, Baluchi, Farsi, Dari, Urdu, and then a couple other ones. Um, anyone in the force, if they take a DLPT and get a two-two or above on that test, they can get paid monthly for a full year, Okay. depending on their score. And then um, if you're a linguist, whatever your assigned language is, you'd get paid no matter what the strategic language list is. So then... So if you could be, you could be a Spanish linguist in the guard, which is not needed, you know, on the list. But as long as you are a 35 micropapa Spanish linguist, you would get paid that, that A rate. Well, and that's what I was kind of asking. So, like, let's say I speak, you know, Spanish fluently, mm -hmm. but that's not a critical density language. No. Um, can I still transition into one of those linguist roles without going to DLI because I'm a proficient speaker? You would have to find a Spanish billet. Okay. Which is very difficult because they're mostly full. But um, you can you can take a DLPT, you wouldn't get paid for it. But if opportunities arise where you need Spanish language, you could volunteer for those because we have your score on file. So then let's say I had a low density MOS language though. Mm -hmm. I don't know, French or something. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, and I have a French billet that's open. I can go into that 
billet or apply to get into that billet without having to go through the Defense Language Institute? Oh, that's right. You don't have to go to DLI. That's just to get the language. If you already know the language, all you'd have to do, to do is go to AIT. Okay. Just to clarify, um, if I want to film I want a linguist role, regardless of whether I speak a language or not, I'm still going into that military intelligence field. Right. If you want to fill a language-dependent billet in the military, you'd have to go through MI and go through the process, get your clearance, all that good stuff, go to AIT, which requires the clearance, and then go back to your unit. If you just want to be an 11 Bravo that speaks one of the A-list languages like Yemeni, you can go take the DLPT, and there's no further obligation from you to be anything MI. You would just... Um, if we needed that requirement, if we had a call out for National Guardsmen, like, hey, we need Yemeni like, linguists, you'd be more than welcome to apply if it didn't need clearance. So we probably have a lot of guardsmen in that boat that either have some language training or are somewhat do. proficient. What is a, you mentioned the grading scale. Can you walk us through like what the scales on the grading are and what are the minimum requirements if I want to get paid for? Yeah, so it goes, it goes zero, no proficiency, to four. Like college level, you went to master's school for that for that language kind of thing, and then everything in between. It goes um, zero, zero plus, one plus, you know, two, two plus. And um, so two, two is the standard, or the, that's the minimum standard for the military. The NSA standard's three, three. So that's technically our standard, but to get paid, two, two, DOMSQ. And then um, Special Forces and SFAB, Security Force Assistance Brigade uh, linguists, only have to do the one plus, one plus level. Um, they have the memo, and it's mostly speaking for them. But um, there are three modalities. There's reading, listening, and speaking. Okay. And so um, for all the main languages, all the ones that are used a lot and the ones they teach at DLI, uh, the DLPT will be reading and listening. Okay. And then so Arabic dialects is just the MSA, Modern Standard Arabic Reading, plus whatever dialect of listening it will be, and they'll okay. just keep adding it on. And then for the low-density languages, it will just be an oral proficiency interview. And then if there's no DLPT for it, because there's, I think there's 66 DLPTs, and so any other language outside of that would just be a speaking interview. Your two modalities would be speaking and listening. Okay. And, and then, so you have to have two modalities to get foreign language pay, the bonus pay. And so for those of us that are less familiar with, you know, what a 2-2 means, you know, what, what is that? Like, you know, <laughs> is that elementary? Is that, like, grade school level? You know, what kind of... Uh, so the way, they, the way I explain it, it's like, so zero is no proficiency. One is, like, phrase book. Like, you can just read off a page and you don't really know what it means or what the sentence structure is. 2-2, um, you can put things together. It's like, it's like sentences, paragraphs, stories, you know, in those kinds of levels. It's like sentences for... Sentences to paragraphs for a 2-2. And then, like, understanding feelings, getting there for the three threes, and then four four is just like, you know, the abstract language. Like, and does that determine, and, you know, if, if I score higher than a two two, does it change the pay that you're getting? It does. It goes or? in, it goes in each, well, almost each increment. Okay. So it'd be like two two, and then two plus two plus, and then three three. And then, like, if you get a three three three, which is all three modalities, it's equal to a four four. And the 4-4 is the highest. I've only seen a few. It's an incredible achievement to get a 4-4. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you said 2-2s, you're, you're working your way around, but 4-4 yeah. four four is like... That's the, that's the minimum standard for the military, and it, it gets you by. Like I, you can, I can feel pretty good with a 2-2. Two two. I, can, I can get around, you know, and I can get main ideas across, but I wouldn't want to be my commander's sole interpreter, you know, like... Mm -hmm. So then, what does that pay look like? You know, is there is a set dollar figure per month? It or is. What's I the... think it's. Uh, I, 
I think it's like 300. It goes like, it goes from 100 to 500. Okay. And then increments of 50. Depending on uh, which language you speak or no, just the score? No, it's just the score. Okay. They're all paid the same no matter what language. It's just based off that DLPT score. And there's paid for any language or is it just the critical need language? So if you're a linguist, any language, that's your main language. It's called a clang, a control language. Okay. Um, any linguist with a control language gets paid the top rate for that language. So whatever your score is, it's that. And then um, for those eight languages, anyone in the forest can get the, it's called the, it's between A and B. And, and can you refresh us on what those eight languages were? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's Arabic, Levantine, Yemeni, um, Baluchi, uh, Farsi, Dari, and Urdu, and there, there are a couple others. Okay. They don't have to top of my head. Um, you can Google, so if you do um, Army HRC language on Google, okay. it pulls you up to the HRC page, and it has the entire list on there. And it it's supposed to change every year, but I think this one's from 2019, um, the most recent one. Okay. And then that's a that's something that you'd have to refresh the test on then every year? Yes. So to maintain your qualifications as a linguist, as a micro-papa, you'd have to take the test every single year. The test is good for 365 days. And then if you're just a random soldier trying same to maintain thing. your language pay, same thing? Same thing. Yeah, it'll, it'll count as expired after that last day. Hmm. And you can take it up to six months in advance. So people usually overlap by a month or two to make sure. So that you maintain proficiency. Exactly. Just don't, like get, any... don't get flagged. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the less obvious benefits for soldiers um, to become qualified in one of these languages? So obviously knowing a foreign language is an amazing achievement. And uh, especially with the languages that we teach, it's like the ones that our government contractors are focused on. You know, it's like Russia, China, all the big countries that we're focused on. Uh, you'll be... a a proficient linguist coming out of the gate with this thing and we have the resources to teach you and keep you current we can enhance your language we can sustain it we can do amazing things with it so if you're a guardsman you can go you can use our money go to school you know get your get your uh, language and they also give an associates to DLI for your language oh, really? I should have mentioned that earlier but an associates of arts from the Defense Language Institute which is the only degree given by Congress <laughs> oh really um, yeah and um, you can have that on your resume and then I mean We'll, make, we'll maintain your language, and you can find a great job with government contracting. Have um, you done any government contracts yourself? Or? I have not. I've just been doing the language program yeah. here, but um, I've been pushing those resources out. We get announcements all the time, and I push them all the way to the state level. It's, it's a really, really sought-after skill. Yeah, I'm assuming, especially with the linguists having like a security clearance, the clearance as well. The clearance, the linguists, a... exactly, and then we can maintain it too, so there's never fear of like, you know, going sub-proficient. As long as you're in the guard, we'll keep it going for you. And then find you those opportunities to um, find specialty languages. If you're high enough and there's the funds there, we can mm -hmm. cross-train you in other languages. It's now, just... and, and that's just for linguists, so just to clarify. Like if I, so like let's say I'm a, you know, I'm, I scored a 2-2 two -two in, you know, Dari or something, and I maintain that language, but I'm an infantryman or I'm an MP or whatever. Is there any resources for me to try to maintain that language that are um, you provided can ask by your the military? G3, but um, okay. the the language program is a G2 program, so mm -hmm. it's just for our assigned 35 series, and it was 09 Limas, but we don't have those anymore. Because at one time, didn't uh, the Army provide 
some uh, one of those online language training programs for free, like Rosetta Stone or something. Is that still available? Or? So it's not, but um, we still have a couple websites, the Joint Language University. Okay. Um, and then there's the DLI FLC website, Defense Language Institute Foreign Language Center, dot okay. edu. Um, they have a boatload of language training, like initial acquisition things on there. My program, oh, that you can just... Yeah, you can just jump on there and see. Okay. Yep, they have all kinds of cool stuff. They have um, they have an accent library for certain languages too, so you can hear how they sound. And you can practice your own on the website. So you don't have to have a login or anything. You can just jump in there. Oh wow! And um, just to be clear too, with my program, I I support existing linguists in the guard. Just sustainment and enhancement training. Initial acquisition is uh, the G three program. Yeah, a little bit different. It is a little bit different. Do you have any advice, though, for soldiers who, you know, whether they're wanting to become a linguist or um, are looking for some of those resources, do you have some advice from your perspective or from the students that you've helped on the, you know, the main maintenance side for, you know, first steps or things that they should do? Yeah, absolutely. I would suggest um, if you know someone that's been a linguist, get with them and ask them their experience. Um, going to DLI, I, can, I can't stress enough, like, take as few distractions as you can with you because... It is a train that leaves the station, and unfortunately for the National Guard, unlike the active component, if you do poorly in a course, they roll back, we get sent home. Mm -hmm. So we don't get that second chance that they do because the funding is different. Okay. So you really have to focus. You really have to take it seriously. And then after that, we can, the AIT is just natural. It's, it's, it's easy. It's <laughs> <laughs> that piece of it but that's, easy. that school, the school is no joke. That's what I can say, too. Take it seriously, you know. Start off early, I'd say practice before you get there, just mm -hmm. basic sound and script stuff, you know, handwriting if it's a foreign language. And I know you just mentioned some resources that are available for those interested in learning languages, but um, is there any other resources that you would recommend to soldiers, um, whether um, it's on the maintenance side or initial acquisition? Uh, for the maintenance side, um, I can get any of our linguists free material from NSA. They gave us they gave us gave us that option during our G two workshop a few weeks ago. Oh, wow. I just come through me. I can get a whole stack of books for them just for free. Just send it right to them. Um, for initial acquisition, um, people brag about Duolingo, all those kinds of or Duolingo, yeah. those kinds of little websites. Like just just get you familiar with a foreign script. You know, if it's like Spanish or French, it's a little different. But the alphabet is is critical to learn <laughs> just right off the bat. No Arabic more. reading the backwards, you know, yeah. I guess that's a little challenging, right? I guess that's why I like Arabic so much because I'm left-handed. Yeah. Well, it works out then. <laughs> it doesn't get the smudge on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much for coming today and sharing some of your experience here and some of these unique resources for guardsmen. No, thank you for having me. The language program is great. The language population is awesome. Uh, it's a great group to be with if you want to join. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed today, please visit our social media pages in the links below. Tune in to Leaders Recon over the next few weeks as we bring in today's leaders and pioneers to discuss their experiences, share their wisdom, and help you grow as a leader. If you like this episode of Leaders Recon, please don't forget to subscribe below and leave us a five-star review. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.